This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 85. In this episode, I will tell the story of Mavis Hutchison from South Africa, the galloping grandma who blazed the trail for women in ultra running and ran across America in 1978. Wow! I would like to thank many of you who have signed up to be a Patreon for ultra running history. Some new monthly supporters include Juiced Beckers from Belgium, Bill Dickey from California, Heinrich from Sweden, and Jerry from the Czech Republic. Please consider also becoming a Patreon member of Ultra Running History to preserve and document this history by signing up to contribute a few dollars each month. Please go to ultrarunninghistory.com member to become my partner and help. That's ultrarunninghistory.com member to become a Patreon member. Will do. Now to the story. This episode is largely based on an excellent biography by Dave and Jeline Laney, Unstoppable Woman, The Forgotten Story of Mavis Hutchison, First Woman to Run Across America. Mavis Vaughn and her identical twin sister Doreen were born on November 24, 1924, in Kimberley, South Africa, known for its diamond mines and the biggest man-made hole on earth. Mavis's father, George, was one of the top middle-distance runners in South Africa and a rugby player. He worked for a diamond mine company. Sadly, both twin girls had defects in their legs. Doreen had a damaged hip causing her to limp throughout life, and Mavis had a leg that was somewhat slow. After contracting rheumatic fever as a child, Mavis suffered from nervous breakdowns during her teens requiring hospitalization and was unable to walk or talk for a time. She had to relearn those skills, and those breakdowns left her feeling fragile. While a teenager, Mavis really wanted to be a good athlete. Her father had been training girls at her school and she joined in, but said she got nowhere fast. She wanted instant success and found excuses to give up. Because of her poor health, her schooling suffered, and she never graduated from high school. World War II arrived, and she wanted to join the army, but her father would not give consent. Mavis sought for independence, and when she was 22, she married a man who turned out to be a heavy drinker, bringing misery and abuse into her life. In 1947, she gave birth to twin boys prematurely, and one lived only a day. The other son, Jess, was severely disfigured and underwent many operations. At the age of 24, she was worn out mentally and physically, feeling like an old woman. Her husband deserted her by the time she gave birth to another son, Alan, in 1949. She divorced in 1951 and started a new life with her two little boys. After working as a sales lady in Kimberley, she moved to Johannesburg, working first for an art dealer and later for record companies. A few years after moving to Johannesburg, Mavis met and married Ernie Hutchison, who was a miner. He was a quiet man, but a great stabilizing influence on her and always supportive. After a short courtship, they married in 1955. Ernie had two children of his own, and adopted Mavis's sons. Two more daughters arrived, making up a yours, mine, and ours family of six children. 
in 1960, Hutchison's boys, Jess and Alan, got involved in the latest new fad, race walking. She and Ernie watched them train and compete. Her sons pulled her to be more involved in athletics. As she watched her boys run, she realized she needed some form of exercise and rekindled the desire to become a good athlete. Hutchison said she began her running career at the age of 37 by chasing after her sons. She started training with the boys by running around a golf course every afternoon. Her health greatly improved. She eventually attempted her first 50-mile walk in 1962, which she said was a disaster. She quit that day after only 16 miles. But the following year, in 1963, better prepared, she set a woman's 50-mile course walking record of 9 hours 35 minutes at the Rand Daily Big Walk, a hugely popular event in her province. She learned for the first time what athletic success felt like. It was reported, Men were following the woman with the striking figure who was walking through the heavy rain. She was sopping wet, but not even her husband offered her a lift. Soon a member of her Johannesburg Harriers Athletic Club encouraged her to start running too. She recalled, It was my turn to try my hand at cross country. Everybody can run. When the bus comes and you see you're going to miss it, you run. So Hutchison started running. When she started, she felt unsure and did not have any goals in running. She began her running on a sand and sawdust track that was used by horses, which helped to strengthen her legs. The longest races for women at the time in South Africa was the half-miler. She entered a race feeling confident, went out too fast, and finished in the back of the pack. She learned from that perceived failure and started to concentrate more on pacing. She started to get involved in long-distance road running, even though at the time it was considered unwise and unsafe for women. She wanted to run the marathon distance. Against all odds, she ran in the 1963 Johannesburg Marathon, the only woman among 75 men and the first known woman to run in a marathon race in 37 years. The officials were not especially enthused, but allowed her to run unofficially, perhaps because a woman who could race walk 80 kilometers in record time was unlikely to embarrass them by collapsing. And what happened those days, because it's an open road, I was allowed to run. They said that I could run. I have to start after the gun had gone off. I can't start with a gun. I've got to wait till the runners are left because if I didn't, I could get the whole field disqualified. They can do nothing to me being unofficial. During the race, she received much encouragement from the male runners and from spectators along the road. She finished with a marathon time of 3 hours 50 minutes, the second fastest time on record. That was four years before Catherine Switzer's famed finish at Boston, and it was a half hour faster. I finished quite near the back of the field, but it was so exciting to realize that I'd actually finished the marathon. It was really wonderful. With her success at the marathon distance, in 1965, it was suggested to Hutchison that she should run in South Africa's premier running event, the Comrades Marathon, about 55 miles. Only two women had run unofficially in the event up to that time. 
At first she was undecided about comrades, until being informed by some men that the physical challenge was too severe for women. Their taunts convinced her that she needed to confront the challenge. She wrote for permission to run with the support of her own running club. The official reply was, Women are not allowed to participate officially in the Comrades Marathon, but she was permitted to run unofficially. Sleep the night before the race did not come easily because of nerves and worry about the rain that was falling. She got up early and jogged to City Hall for the start with nearly 400 runners. Rain restarted just before the start and continued on throughout the race. As she ran on that unpleasant day, she said that she wanted to quit a thousand times but knew she had to keep going. Finally she caught glimpse of the skyscrapers of Durban in the distance. Few people expected her to finish, and so when she entered the finishing ground, it was to the astonishment of race organizers, the media, and her clubmates. Hutchison, at the age of 40, became the third woman to finish in the history of that race with a time of 10 hours and 7 minutes. But the experience in the rain was pretty miserable, and she said, quote, never again. But as a typical ultra runner, she changed her mind once the pain went away and continued on. The next day, I saw all the athletes, and I was aching all over. I had a pair of high heels. They were so high, and I walked down that stairs. I was in agony. I wouldn't let those men know that I was in agony. I walked down that stairs as if I owned them. I thought, no, that these men are not going to realize it, that I've suffered, and probably that's why they thought I didn't finish. She went on to finish Comrades seven more times and every year was joined in by more women. Ten years after her first Comrades, women were finally allowed to enter officially. Hutchison wanted to compete at very long distances on the road. Comrades was too short to bring out the best in her. By 1971, at the age of 46, she was ready for the greater challenge, a 24-hour race at a track at Hector Norris Park in Johannesburg. She put in three months of intense training, including hours after work and eight hours a day on weekends and mostly on a track. She explained, I sometimes did a bit of road running, but people passed remarks and some men even tried to pick me up until they saw my gray hair. The race was held on August 27, 1971. Hutchison was the only woman to enter. 51 men started at 12.30 p.m. in the stadium. She said, I was unsure of my ability to finish 100 miles non-stop on the track. She was crewed by her husband and children. Some of the men in the race were jealous with the attention that she received and wished that she wasn't in the race. But she was there, an official entrant. However, the toilets near the track were reserved for the men, and she had to leave the track continually and climb up a long flight of steps to use the ladies' restroom. Hutchison ran well. As she ran endlessly around the track under the hot afternoon sun, the naysayers saw Hutchison start to set new records for women. First the 25 miles, then the 50. She was running strongly as night fell, keeping a steady pace in her tracksuit. But as with most rookie 100-milers, she had not yet learned how to eat well along the way. After 18 hours, officials could see that she was in trouble. They were afraid that she was going to collapse and bring them unfavorable publicity. She said, 
I went up to the toilet and collapsed. When I recovered, I was lying on a bench in the changing rooms. I waited for about five minutes or so to make sure I was feeling steady, then returned to the track to continue. Officials tried to convince her husband to pull her out of the race, but she refused. Her family finally figured out that she needed to eat more. By 25 and a half hours, her crew realized that she could break the time set by Geraldine Watson in 1934 of 22 hours, 22 minutes. Hutchison gritted her teeth for the final laps and reached 100 miles in 22 hours, 15 minutes, which was thought to be a world record. However, her time was far off Nancy Colomer's 100-mile road time of 16 hours 11 minutes set earlier that year in America that they certainly didn't know about. But Hutchison wasn't finished. She intended to claim the world record for 24 hours. When the clock reached that point, she had covered 106 miles, 736 yards, indeed a new world best. She commented, Surprisingly, afterwards, I did not feel exhausted, though the tops of my legs were sore. An ambulance crew rushed onto the track with a stretcher expecting her to pass out at any moment. She did not. Of the 51 men who started, only 20 finished. Reporters were so excited about her feat that it overshadowed the achievements of the 20 men who had also finished 100 miles. The local Johannesburg newspaper described her as a superlative flesh-and-blood machine, a machine of tireless energy, vitality, and strength that can run for mile after grueling mile, hour after hour, in almost perpetual motion with few signs of exhaustion. Some men in her club were unhappy, and even some women had some cruel things to say. Hutchison said, It was hard to cope with the gossip that followed. I became very distressed about it, but I guess that was to be expected since I had already faced similar nastiness from those who thought I was press-hungry. No doubt they didn't realize the time and hard work involved. It's just as well I don't mutter when I'm running. The negative reaction from her club caused her to resign and join another club. Hutchison had dreamed for three years of doing a multi-day run of about 374 miles over the Drakensberg Mountains from Johannesburg to Durban on the coast. Several men had accomplished this grueling run. Don Shepard, a local athlete, he had done it. Um, a runner from Port Elizabeth, John Ball, he had also done it. So I thought, well, it's now my turn to try, which I did. It would be much further than any woman had been known to run. On October 14, 1973, shortly after 4 a.m., Hutchison started her historic run to the cheers of an enthusiastic crowd. She had doubts and misgivings, wondering if she was being too ambitious this time. Her first day went very well as she reached 73 miles before sundown. Her stopping point was marked, and she headed to a nearby hotel for the night, following a plan to run about 16 hours each day. The next day, she was again running at 4 a.m., this time in a gale-force headwind and drizzle. Her progress was very slow. She just could not move forward at any reasonable pace and felt annoyed and disappointed. At about 4.30 that afternoon, it was decided to call it a day after 45 miles. The next day was again a major struggle in nearly hurricane-force winds of 70 miles per hour. Her optimism waned and she wondered if she would have to quit soon. 
After dinner that day, she collapsed from exhaustion. I was so exhausted from the wind and the rain. actually ripped my waterproof to pieces. It was like ribbons on me. Her trainer suggested that she quit, but she was determined to carry on. I will not quit! Each day, she courageously continued on. Truck drivers on the road recognized her honking and waving as they passed. On the fifth day, she decided to run through the night, going for 27 straight hours with pacers taking turns to help her. One would protect her from oncoming traffic, and the other would keep her from stepping off the edge of the road. After six days, 13 hours, and 55 minutes, she reached the finish at Durban City Hall, where she was greeted by 3,000 cheering fans. They sang, For She's a Jolly Good Fellow. For she's a jolly good fellow, for she's a jolly good fellow, for she's a jolly good fellow, which nobody can deny. Tears of appreciation poured down her cheeks as she felt the crowd's warmth and love. A garland of flowers was put on her. Her mother was there and commented to a reporter, quote, She's always been a little crazy. The next year, she attempted to repeat the run, but this time in the much more difficult uphill direction during the winter. She beat the fastest known time. A newspaper article called her the woman who doesn't know what it means to give up. As early in 1973, Hutchison dreamed of running across America, but because of the extreme cost, she knew that she needed to start attracting sponsors. In 1975, backed by a popular soft drink, risking her amateur status, she ran 1,000 miles from Pretoria to Cape Town. She finished that amazing run in 22 days, 4 hours, averaging about 44 miles per day. Hutchison's amazing ultra accomplishment attracted a sponsor, Vonda Cosmetics, who agreed to fund her run across America scheduled for 1978. To prepare in 1977, she ran across South Africa north to south in seven and a half days for about 340 miles in rainy weather. Starting around 1890, dozens of pedestrians attempted walks across America, and many claimed they succeeded. In 1896, a Buffalo article commented, No less than a score have passed through Buffalo within a year. Verification was impossible in those days, but now possible by checking their arrival dates in towns as published in newspapers now online. Nearly all of those early attempts were fabricated. Some reporters caught on to the fraud. Dead broke pedestrians have lived off gullible hotel keepers and charity inclined residents of various states through which they pass. The American people like to be humbugged. Who was the first known woman to cross the continent on foot? In 1890 91, Zoe Gayton, a famous actress, claimed she walked from San Francisco to New York City in 184 total days with 148 walking days. See episode 24. Edward Payson Weston is usually recognized as accomplishing the first verified walk across America in a highly publicized walk in 1909 from New York City to San Francisco. See episode 26. The woman usually credited for the first transcontinental run is Barbara Moore, a Russian immigrant to Great Britain who went from San Francisco to New York City in 1960. However, she received a car ride for five and a half miles which she made up near the finish at Central Park. 
By 1978, there had been at least 99 transcontinental walks or runs that were considered legitimate, with the fastest known time of 52.8 days by ultra runner Tom McGrath, a bartender from New York City. He went from New York City to San Francisco. Hutchison boarded a plane on March 3, 1978 at Johannesburg in front of a large crowd to fly to America to attempt her transcontinental run. She was going to run from Los Angeles to New York City and was referred to by the news media as the Galloping Granny. Two RV support vehicles drove along with her, including a five-person crew. She started her run at 9 a.m. on March 12, 1978, in front of the press and supporters on the steps of Los Angeles City Hall. She started to panic and wished she would have had enough sense to stay home, but off she went. She hoped that the 25 pair of running shoes that she had brought would be enough. Ernie would constantly repair them about 40 times. The traffic on the road she ran on was often terrifying. At times they would be so close that she could touch them. Passing motorists would constantly stop thinking that she needed a ride out in the middle of nowhere. When asked why she was doing it, she replied, It's a matter of doing something I've always wanted to do. It's a test of stamina. We all have dreams which we never pursue, but I finally decided to do this. And the important thing for me personally is I'm actually doing it right now. Hutchison took a southern route through California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. In total, she crossed 13 states. Her support crew scouted out the best routes, handed out press releases, shopped, cooked, and kept the budget for the trip. They usually spent nights in campgrounds, but occasionally splurged and stayed in motels. She generally began her run each day at 4 a.m., stopped for tea around 7 a.m., and took quick naps during the morning and afternoon. Her average pace was 20-minute miles, and she averaged 45 miles per day. Her scariest experience was running across the MacArthur Rail Bridge in St. Louis. It was so high and narrow that she kept her eyes closed nearly all the way across. When asked about her impression of America, she commented on the traffic that was non-stop for 24 hours. During one stretch, they whizzed past her every seven seconds. Throughout the entire trip, she took off only one day when she suffered from shin splints. On May 20, 1978, just before noon, Hutchison completed her run as she trotted across the Brooklyn Bridge. She ran up the front steps of the City Hall in New York City for the finish. Among those who greeted her was the father of American ultra running, Ted Corbett. She ran a total of 2,908 miles in 69 days, 2 hours and 40 minutes. She felt great at the finish like she had just finished a training run. She did admit that she lost 5 pounds along the way, finishing at 103 pounds. As far as I remember at that time, I was the first woman to run across America from Los Angeles to New York. After returning to South Africa, Hutchison eventually wanted to have another adventure after achieving her lifelong goal. She chose to go after the John O'Groats to Land's End fastest known time, running the length of Britain, a distance of about 874 miles. 
In July 1980, at the age of 55, she traveled to Great Britain for the midsummer attempt, announcing that she intended to beat the 17-day record by two days. On the day Hutchison started from John O'Groats, Scotland, she was surprised that others were starting their attempts, including some attempting to push wheelbarrows the entire way. Nearly every day there was another person making the pilgrimage. Hutchison made great progress, but at about the halfway point she strained an Achilles tendon. A doctor advised her to quit. She said that giving up was not an option for her. On the 11th day, her right ankle was badly swollen and hopes of breaking the record were fading fast. With only 25 miles to go, it was written, There are already signs of jubilation in the growing caravan camp that is following her. They are sure Mavis is going to do it. She says very little herself, but presses on with relentless determination. There are no moans from her. She arrived at the finish in torrential rain and fog at Land's End, England, in 16 days, 21 hours, 55 minutes. Two women from South Africa were there to hug her at the finish, and the South African flag was flying. When she saw the flag, Hutchison burst out into tears. She told reporters on her arrival that she was finished with marathon running and would instead take up sprinting. News of her accomplishment was printed in newspapers across America. The BBC called her the, quote, toughest grandmother in the world. In 1981, after accepting money for an advertisement, she was banned from amateur athletics by the South African Amateur Athletics Union. She knew that she was taking a risk by accepting the money, but needed the income following Ernie's retirement. She went on a fight against the outdated rules, seeking for a change in the policy governing professionalism. She said that one has to earn a living somewhere. Years passed, and she was finally reinstated in June 1989 at the age of 64. Even while barred, she continued to run. In 1982, at the age of 57, she accomplished an amazing 2,000-mile charity run in 58 days. Hutchison started competing in the International Masters Games starting in 1977 in Sweden, where she won several medals. Over the years, she continued to compete in various countries. She said in 2010, at the age of 86, Whenever I compete, I am just one of the athletes. I am not an old woman who is an embarrassment. Age is irrelevant. It is just a chronological process. Sport has opened my heart and my mind to realize there is more to life than a daily routine. I feel like a bird set free from a cage. That year, she could be seen training daily at Fishhook High School track in Cape Town. Her last competition was the World Masters Championship in Brazil in 2013. In 2021, Mavis Hutchison, the pioneer ultra-runner, was 96 years old, living in Cape Town, South Africa. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>